everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I'm your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners and some laughs and a little bit of uh, knowledge. We're going to drop some knowledge on you, all kinds of fun stuff. We've got a great show today, Scott. We're going to talk a little college football. We're going to talk a little baseball. We're going to talk some Olympics. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to introduce a new segment, Holding Out for a Hero, Scott. And we have one lined up for today, so I'll be looking forward to that. And of course, stick around because we will have our Bet the Farm segment coming up where Scott and I come up with our very best play of the day and tell you what it is and why you should bet the farm on it. So, Scott, how was your how was your Monday? You do okay? Yeah, overall went well betting-wise. Ended up having the Rays on the run line. They ended up winning easily. Pretty much all I had. Didn't really have anything else. I also had the Braves, actually, and they ended up winning pretty easily. But other than that, though, it wasn't a great day because I was supposed to see a concert on Tuesday, and the lead singer of the main band got COVID, so they had to cancel the concert. Not fun. Do you not want to tell everybody who it is? Are you ashamed? Do you want to tell us who it was? It was it was corn. It was corn. I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Okay. Yeah, it was corn. I was supposed I was, I was supposed to see corn and stained, and Jonathan Davis, the lead guy for corn, got COVID. So I was supposed to see them twice. Got canceled both times. It's the universe not meant to be, man. Not the, meant to be. It's the universe trying to tell you something, Scott. It is. And McFly, McFly, uh, I think it's the universe trying to tell you that the '90s are over. That's that's my guess, but I could be no, wrong. The, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that, but. <laughs> well, you know, and I'm hardly one to speak as I've seen so many bands where there's <laughs> way too many guys in their 60s and 70s. So, yeah, I can't I can't give you I can't give you a hard time about that. I hope it all comes together for you at some point, Scott, and I hope you're able to go see Corn and of course Stained. And you don't want Stained Corn. That's that's not good at all. So, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, we I had I had those same two plays as premium plays. I had the Atlanta Braves, and we had, of course, Tampa Bay on the run line. You know, you said something curious as you and I were getting ready for the show. You almost feel dirty. You almost feel like you're stealing money fading Baltimore right now with with Matt Harvey on the map. Come on, and it was it was nuts, Scott. It was it's it's crazy how bad that team is playing right now, and it's kind of nuts as far as what the price is. But you know what? We may get to that here in just a minute. But before we do, let's start it off, Scott, with maybe some folks that are grinding their teeth right now and maybe even cursing us because they didn't do as well as we did. They didn't have that great day. In fact, they thought they had winners, and then they didn't have winners. They took it in the shorts. All they wanted to do was get mad at us, Scott, and then when they should be doing is calling the cops. All right, let's talk about the first case of highway robbery here. If you had the Chicago Cubs team total under four and a half, you were looking great. Zero runs through seventh inning. You couldn't be looking any better. Uh, literally, couldn't couldn't be looking any better. All they needed to do, Scott, and who were the Cubs playing this evening? Remind everybody. They're playing against the Reds. Oh, the Reds. I've heard that their bullpen is less than stellar. Am I remembering that correctly? I did read that somewhere. Well, I believe we saw it in action because the Cubs, well, they broke your heart in one inning, Scott. Seven innings, no runs. It just took the eighth inning to destroy everybody's team total under as Chicago 
puts up five runs in the eighth, absolutely unnecessary because they were getting curb stomp. They end up losing the game 14 to five. That's right, 14 to five. Thank you very much. Cubs team total under four and a half. Hey, call the cops. And looking at the second one, we're going to be looking at Summer League basketball because why not? If you had the Pistons minus one and a half against the Magic, first of all, go to a meeting. Second of all, the Pistons led by three points with less than two seconds left. The Magic had a bunch of three-point attempts because they're down three, of course, trying to tie the game. A couple misses here and there. One last miss for good measure in the last second. Wait a minute. Somebody wanted to pad their stats a little bit. Can I interest you in a meaningless tipping at the buzzer Oof. for two points just to lose the game by one? Oof. <laughs> Brutal. Just brutal. Well, good to see. Good to see the NBA bad beats are in uh, regular season form. Mm-hmm. You just, yeah, that's no breaks in the regular season, no breaks in summer ball. Hey, let's finish up with the uh, New York Metropolitan, Scott. You had the first five money line there. They were in good shape. They were leading three to two. Of course, you got to sweat it out because it's first five, but they were in good shape. They had the lead going into the bottom of the fifth. Uh oh. Here comes Chris Bryant, two-run bomb. The Giants, well, they lead four to three after five innings. And if you had the Mets on the Monday line for the first five, you were oh so close. Because in front of Bryant, I can't I, I can't remember who it's in front of Bryant, but he banged it off the wall. It looked like it was going to be gone. Of course, that wall's, you know, 117 feet high there in right center field. So he banged it off the wall for a double. I'm sure you breathed the sigh of relief if you had that first five. But it didn't last long before you were done exhaling. Bryant launched it, and you were beat. Call the cops. Yep, and not a fun time when your team also scores three runs to take the lead in the fifth inning. Yeah. Just to blow it about two minutes later. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Scott, the opposite of that. These were the, these were people that joined us today as you and I had a couple of easy victories. These were our friends that were right there with us. They were sitting in the rocking chair. So, the first one involved the Tampa Bay Rays team that I talked about at the top of the show. Uh, minus one and a half. Led five to one after five innings. Led eight to one after six innings. Won the game nine to two. If you're betting Baltimore, why? But we'll talk about that in a little while once again. You need to go to several meetings. You need to go to per- perhaps Gamblers Anonymous. You need to find out why you hate yourself. You need to find out why you hate money. There's a lot of things you need to explore if you're betting on Baltimore right now. I mean, I get it. It's kind of the gambler's fallacy because, Scott, they can't lose every game by 17 runs. Sooner or later, they're due, right? Well, the pitching improved on Sunday against Boston, and then they gave up nine runs again. So they're back to their usual terrible pitching ways. Well, Scott, if you had the Los Angeles Angels, New York Yankees under eight and a half, didn't look great after the first inning. They were not at all where they needed to be. New York led 2-1 to one after the first inning. However, I hope you didn't wait to the stadium to get that beer and that brat because if you were in line in the first inning, you missed the entire game because the next eight innings, no more runs, Scott. None at all. The final, New York Yankees 2, Los Angeles Angels 1. Two teams not exactly known for their stellar bullpens. But they had it on point on Monday night. And if you had the under eight and a half, after the first inning was over, you had nothing to sweat. And the last one was Summer League once again. If you had the Thunder plus three against the Spurs, Thunder led by 22 at the half. 
ended up winning by 25. And the San Antonio Spurs, I believe that's their final summer league game. I'm sure they're thrilled because they were awful <laughs> all summer league long. How did how did this is what I get when I don't when I don't check in rehearsal? How did the summer league game beat the Atlanta Braves in their 12-2 win over the Miami Marlins? I originally happen? had that, and I thought we had a little bit too much baseball, so I decided to throw in a basketball one in there for fun. Okay. All right. Making those you also had the Braves on there who won handily. Making those executive decisions, huh, young buck? Well, I know we try to spread it out, show the sports betting diversity on here, so I figured might as well throw in some basketball that, of course, was exhibition for some, but profit or money lost for others. Did you did you see there was a bad bet there was a bad beat at ski jumping too. Did you see that? It was awful. I could have I could have mentioned tennis. You know I could have. I know you you can always find three bad beats on the tennis courts. Mm-hmm. Oh man. All right. Well very good. Well Scott, let's talk about the we did have a little hard time. Usually we have many, many contenders for this next award. People just climbing all over themselves to trap on the golden feed bag. But we found one. We found one interesting entity, and it may not be the last time that we hand the golden feedback to this entity. We're going to find out who it is, Scott. Let's get ready. Tell your friends. Call your neighbors. Put your phone on mute, because it's time to find out who is Donkey of the Day. <laughs> Scott, I had somebody in the comment section say that that was clearly a mule, not a donkey. That's a bad beat. <laughs> I don't know enough to know if they're right or wrong. It's it's not a horse, not a zebra. I can tell you that. I got to narrow it down to a couple. Um, all right, Scott. Let's go to the AP voters in the preseason college football poll. Now, this one takes a little bit to unpack here. Let's start with the fact that this preseason poll came out. It's got some interesting things about it. We can certainly talk about that. But I perhaps the most ridiculous thing on there, the Pac-12 has five teams, five teams listed in the top 25 teams in the country, Oregon, USC, Washington, Utah, and Arizona State. Scott, how many teams finished in the AP top 25 last year from the Pac-12. Do you remember? I believe there were three to start the season Mm -hmm. and ended up with one. One. That is correct. USC was 21st. That was the only team to make an appearance in the final AP poll. Like you said, there were three to start the season. Uh, AP voters, I'm sorry. You're drunk. You're morons. And you are indeed the donkeys of the day. There is... Absolutely no way, Scott. No way. What's what's the correct total for Pac-12 teams to finish in the top 25? By season's end? Yes, or you yes. Mean by what? season's end, yes. I'll say three, maybe four with a couple in the high, in the 20s. Yeah. It's, it's USC, it's Washington, it's Oregon, and that's going to be it. It's I think Utah might sneak in, so maybe four. But Arizona State, I'm I'm shocked they're in the top twenty. Haven't seen it from them yet. They just they don't have the ability to win the games they should win. They're they're competitive in tough games, but they always have those stupid losses. Your Colorados, your Arizonas, those games they have no business losing. I have no confidence in Herm Edwards to win the big game. Sorry, 
Sorry, Utah. Sorry, Arizona State. Not going to happen. Go home. You're drunk. Hey, speaking now, of... Don't get me wrong. Of, of course, it's before the season starts, so some teams might have a lot of potential. But the issue with potential is the fact that the Pac-12 is still viewed as a Power 5 conference. It's more, of, it's more of just symbolic of why this is donkey of the day because it seems like with five teams, the committee's still trying to group the Pac-12 with the other Power 4 conferences, and they're clearly the worst of the five, and it's not even close. Can we just acknowledge that they're uh, closer – I don't want to say closer to a mid-major than a Power 5 conference, but – they are. They do not deserve the same respect. They have the same amount of teams in the top twenty-five as the Big Ten. That's a problem. That is a problem. And do you think? Do you think the Pac-12 is worse than the than the Big Twelve? Because they don't have an Oklahoma. Is that- yeah, I think it's worse because at the top you would at least have two usually top ten teams. Because Iowa State's been fringe top ten for a year or two. I you know they would have. They would have been potentially top five if they beat Oklahoma in the conference title game. But yeah, I think the Big 12 is better. You can argue the bottom might be worse, but the Pac-12, when your ceiling is Oregon, and Oregon's usually finishing the year, what, somewhere between 10 and 15? Yeah. That's not exactly a good look for a conference. That's in the power five. No, and by the way, the Big 12 has exactly three teams in the preseason top 25. You, you you, You want to know who they are? You want to take a guess? Uh, Big 12? Yeah. I'm guessing that you're going to have Oklahoma, sure. Tex- uh, Texas. Not Texas? Oh, I'm sorry. There is four. My, my bad. My bad. Yeah, I, so I, I, mean, I missed the, I miss the you're horns. You're going to have Oklahoma State, yep. and then you're going to – yeah, okay. And then the Iowa State. Yeah, of course. So there's your four. So you're telling me that the Big 12 is not as good as the Pac-12. Nope. Nope. I would take, I would take Oklahoma State over – Anybody in the Pac-12 with the possible exception of Oregon and Washington. That's how I feel about that. I still don't like Crystal Ball as a coach, so I don't I don't have faith in Oregon because I think Crystal Ball is an abysmal in-game coach. He must not have a Crystal Ball. Wow. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It was sitting there. I'm sorry. You know, that's you know, and we actually do a rehearsal, and I snuck that one by you. Yes, you did. <laughs> Just like you you snuck the NBA rocking chair by me. Mm-hmm. Uh, crystal ball that is uh, that is right back at you and a uh, quick reminder to everybody out there you are listening to winners and whiners radio give us an hour we'll give you the winners oh man hey scott <laughs> it seems like this is we're going to have to name this segment the baltimore orioles memorial segment because it seems to be pretty much a consistent thing throughout the, throughout our show but we're going to do it again and we're going to tell you why once again, ladies and gentlemen, the odds makers, they're sitting over there in VIP and they're cranking those uh, those bottles of Cristal. They're doing uh, shots of Remy because apparently they are extremely drunk, Scott. The odds makers, they're drunk. Just put that anywhere. Scott, why are the odds makers drunk again today? So we talked about it twice already, but third time's the charm here. If you had the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line, minus one and a half, it opened up at minus 120. And you might be thinking, well, you know, it's a run line. It's not plus money, so the odds should be decent. Baltimore, not exactly good at keeping games close. If I had told you that entering yesterday's game, 
the Orioles had lost each of their previous 11 games by two-plus runs, shouldn't the Rays' run line have automatically been minus 150, if not higher? You would think so. I actually had that game, and I had that game set out as a premium because I like to get them out early so that my, my clients can beat the lines. And I actually did not have a run line on that. I estimated it at 145 for an opener, and it ended up being 120. Absolutely ridiculous. Yes, and they have won. They have lost. They have now lost 12 straight games, and only one has been closer than three runs, and that was, a two, a, like you said, a two-run game. Everything else has been three runs or higher. They are being outscored by a ridiculous margin. Folks, Folks, until further notice, please, please, friends, don't let friends bet on the Orioles. If you, you know, if you think maybe the streak's going to come to an end tonight, maybe John Means is going to step up and have a great performance, that's fine. Don't bet Tampa Bay. But for God's sakes, until you see some kind of signs of life, stop betting on the Orioles because the odds makers yeah. are drunk. For the record, Tampa won that game nine to two. Yeah. So let's see. They were they had outscored them. Let me say, they had outscored him 104 to 34. So now it is 113 to 36 over the last 12 games. The only team that's playing arguably the same quality ball is Chicago, because I think the Cubs are 114 in August. Right. God. A lot of really bad teams in baseball. Mm, 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 mm. All right. A lot, of dr- a lot of drunk odds makers, too. No mm. question about it. All right, guys. Well, there is value as we come down the home stretch here. You know, we're joking about it. We're talking about it. But this is the time. I know I've switched gears in my play, Scott, playing a lot more run lines. Are you doing the same thing? Yeah. Uh, you can notice based on how the odds have shifted that it seems like it's starting to be the official time leading up to September where the good teams realize what they have to do against bad teams. Right. And the bad teams have kind of realized we got no shot at the playoffs, so we're going to roll over and die now. Yeah, they're bringing up, you know, maybe some of those guys that have been nursing those injuries all year long where if they were in a race, they could, you know, you could gut it out and play. Those guys are sitting out. You're bringing up guys from the minors. So, yeah, it's a situation where I think the rich are going to flex their muscles and the poor are going to wish the season was over. So there'll probably be a lot more run lines going forward from both of us would be my guess. So I'm excited. Excited for baseball as we finish up here, but you know, Scott, I'm a football guy. I'm excited. I'm excited for football. Now, are you more NFL or are you more a college guy? When it comes to uh, betting and watching, I'm more college. Okay. Yeah, I, I like. I probably like betting for sure. I think I think the college game is easier to beat just because there's so many games. There are. I have no. I have no problems admitting that the NFL. I wouldn't say it's bet proof when it comes to odds makers and all but it's definitely the hardest league to find consistent value with because those odds makers might mess up in WNBA all-star games they might mess up in baseball games whatever yeah for football it's usually nails they're pretty they're pretty sober for NFL season buddy yes because that's that's where you know that's where everybody's bread is buttered in this business you know people that's- well, I like college because the quantity is huge. You have hundreds of games, including the FCS and everything like that. Absolutely. And even even in even in FBS, you've got those games down at the bottom of the card between the also-rans and the AAC and the Sun Belt. Man, there's a ton of value in those games if you just if you just pay attention. There's just yep. and you just you just don't have that in the NFL because everybody's betting on it and those lines are super sharp. So mm-hmm. 
With that being said, the NFL, of course, is going to 17 games this season from their regular 16-game season. A lot of people have made a deal of it, talking about which uh, records are most likely to be uh, shattered, broken, if you will. Scott, I know Dan Marino made a little bit of news because he came out and said that if he were playing today with Clayton and Duper, he could throw for 6,000 yards. That's the that's the magic figure, by the way, Scott. 6,000 yards. Now, do you know, I believe it was 1959, Johnny Unitas became the first player to throw for 3,000 yards. So we've come a long way here in the last 60 years or so. Of course, Dan Marino, first guy in the NFL to throw for 5,000 yards. He threw for 5,000 in in 38 yards in 16 games. He never did it again, by the way. And now he's saying that he could get to 6,000 in 17 games. First of all, is Dan Marino on some sort of uh, narcotic or... What's what's is he just diluted? What's the, what do you think, Scott? Is there, is there any possibility Dan Marino could throw for six thousand yards? No, but I'll tell you what. I'm going to give what he said more merit than Terry Bradshaw criticizing the accuracy of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> okay, That's, I'm sure you forgot about that one. That's probably the stupidest thing I've heard from a Hall of Fame quarterback during the offseason. The I, Marino stuff, you know, he wants to get his name in the mix. People tend to forget just how good Marino was. His comments and the Bradshaw comments were both out of left field. And the Bradfield, I think the Bradshaw comments are worse. But it's also because Aaron Rodgers is significantly better than Bradshaw ever was. Marino can have the hypothetical scenario of, well, if we threw the ball 50-something times every game, like how most teams do nowadays, you make an argument with the spacing, the five-wide offense, stuff like that. Maybe he could push 5,500. 55, right. But I wouldn't give him 6,000. I think you need to add another game for anybody to reach 6,000. No, and in case you're wondering why we were laughing so hard about Bradshaw, and if you ever want to get a, a good chuckle, go ahead and look at some of the numbers of some of these quarterbacks that are in the Hall of Fame. Your um, your, your Bradshaws, guys like Lynn Dawson, John Hadle, things like, things like that. Uh, Bradshaw completed 51 0.9% of his passes, Scott. 51.9%. He threw 212 touchdown passes, 210 interceptions over, over his career. Uh, so does that make him like the Cy Young of Hall of Fame quarterbacks? What do you mean, with his stats? Because he's got the most wins and losses, like that kind of stuff. You look back and realize there's a lot. There's some good, but also a lot of bad. Yeah, when you reflect was, back on some stats. Yeah, when you make a lot of starts, there's a lot of bad too. So, I I don't think you know Terry Bradshaw. He's a funny guy. He he makes me chuckle. That was from months ago. I just brought that back out of the woodwork. Yeah, I'm trying to. The he was in the league for six years before he threw more touchdown passes than interceptions. Yeah. So he can. Uh, he can sit the flock down, Scott, is what I'm... And like like they say in church, just sit the flock down. I, I think Marino's still an all-time talent. I'll I'll spot him 5,500. Sure, I'm not... And I don't want to disparage Dan Marino. Great quarterback, uh, Duper and Clayton, you know, when they weren't doing blow, great receivers. Um, well, even but, when they were doing blow. They might, even faster, know. that's right. <laughs> Which one of these records is yeah. most... Is, is that one going to fall? It's 54-77 right now. And that was set by whom, Scott? Uh, the sheriff. 
the sheriff. That is correct. Recent Hall of Fame inductee, Peyton Manning. So is that going to fall? What's which one of the like the top ten is most likely to fall? Rushing yards, passing yards, touchdowns. Which and which one's the most untouchable? Most untouchable. Yeah. Oh boy, it might be the rushing touchdowns. Okay. I mean, that's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, you can look at really any of them. The tackles are nuts, but you're adding a game, so maybe somebody can go crazy and challenge Ray Lewis. I doubt it. The rushing touchdowns, though, uh, with the rushing yards, I don't know if, how long it's going to take for us to see 2,100, let alone passing Dickerson. But with the increasing reliance on passing, I think we had agreed passing yards is most likely to fall, potentially by numerous guys this season. As for the rushing... If you're going to throw the ball more, you're clearly going to stop running the ball. So I'm assuming rushing yards is going to stand for a long time. Yeah, 2105 EV back in 1984. I think that one is going to stay in for a while, at least until the game circles back around and puts more emphasis on 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 the running backs because that ain't happening right now. That's that's like complete game, Scott. Yeah. Nobody nobody's touching the complete game record. You know, nobody's getting within 20 of the record of complete games. So. I believe that's going to be a tough one to fall. Although, you know, Derrick Henry, having said that, Scott, he was 78 yards short last year. He put up 20, 20, 27 last year in, in, in 2021. So he also ran for like 4,000 yards in the final game of the regular season. I understand. To get close to that, but yes. I think the most likely to fall, is, yeah, it's probably is passing yards. I would agree with that. I think passing touchdowns are going to be, uh, it will fall as well. 50, At some point, 50, probably not this year. 55 is the record there. You know what? Mahomes had Mahomes had 50. Yeah. So give him another game. I think that's absolutely possible. So that it'll be fun. Do you think the yards fall this, this year? Because I do. The yards, I'm just trying to think who's going who's going to be coming after it. Yeah, who do you think? You, who are you thinking? You're thinking Mahomes, who else? I'm thinking... I don't want to say Stafford, but I think Stafford might have a shot if the Rams decide to air it out. Hmm. I doubt it, but Mahomes is obviously going to be your safe guess. Rodgers. Throwing Rodgers in there if he wants to go nuts in his final season in Green Bay. Maybe Josh Allen, potentially, because the Bills have a couple running backs, but none of them are very good. I've seen I've seen predictions of Josh, for Josh Allen for MVP. I think, I think there's some smart people making plays there. Wouldn't surprise me. He, he gets bet for the last couple of years, and he proved he was elite. So I can see that happening. All right, very good. Oh, we're going to be talking a lot more about that as the uh, as the season goes on. So Scott, the umpires, they're not good. They are especially bad this year, Scott. They are calling for starters, and I don't know. This is almost. Do you think there's a dictate from the league office to call fewer strikes? I. Don't really know, but if you want to speed up the game, you should call more strikes. Yeah, that's. It seems to be counterintuitive about what they to the to the what they want to do. Umpires have called fewer strikes than any point at, the, at this point in the season than at, at any season since two thousand eight, and they only picked two thousand eight because that's the first year that you really started having advanced metrics as far as Snapcast and things like that, where you could really track it. But overall, it's got 776 fewer strikes have been called than should have been called based on location and who was at bat. And if it sounds like a lot, but you don't really have a baseline, well, let me throw this at you. During the first half of 2019, they missed it by 79. And in fact, they overcalled it. There were 79 more strikes called than expected. 
And in 2008, of course, this is all for the first half of the season. In 2018, 31 fewer. Again, this season, 776 fewer strikes that have been called and should have been called. And there's a company called True Media. They put together a model. They estimated that because of those calls, there should have been 111 more runs. Have we found the culprit, Scott? Was was the killer in the house the whole time that we were out running around looking at baseballs and looking at the uh, the grip and the and the whatnot and we're breaking we're doing the checking their belt and the whole time has it been the umpire's fault? I think they need to get some younger guys into the umpire union because guys can't see the plate. You know that's a very very hard job to do, and I am consistently amazed by how often the umpires get it right on the bases. Bang, bang plays, repay, replay, super slow-mo shows. Most times they got it right. The exception is the umpire behind home plate, and hit has been awful this season. Scott, you alluded to it on Twitter the other day. Is it time for robo-umps? I don't know about robo-umps, but at the end of the day, you have so many potential up-and-coming umps or referees in various sports. I know we mentioned this in basketball Mm -hmm. during the basketball season. Can we start to see more young guys actually being implemented? Because I feel like I've seen the same group of 50 umps or if not like 20 umps for the last, what, 20-something years? Can we get some younger guys getting some reps? I agree because, you know, you you look at basketball, you look at the NFL, you've got guys, and now there's some age on some NFL officials, especially in the referee position, but they're all in terrific shape. They've all got to run up and down the field. They've all got to get out of the way. The umpires, Scott, to be generous, some of them aren't, would you say, tip-top physical condition? They're running to the buffet. Is that a way to put it? Yep, that's absolutely a way to put it. All right, I've got one more story that I want to talk about, and we'll do that right after this break. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for winners and whiners? What's winners and whiners? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, numbers, numbers. But they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winners and winners. Dot com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely 
leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure, you're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't. I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them, oh man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Welcome back to Winners and Winners Radio, half hour number two. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Well, Scott, Tokyo finally bid adieu to the Olympics. Thanks for leaving us with a bunch of COVID. We certainly appreciate that. Here's a little something to take back to your home country. So, the Olympics, if you're not aware, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware of this, it is a huge, gigantic scam. It is basically just... An, an exercise to make money for the International Olympic Committee and all of their members. The things that they ask for when they come to town and they do the bids, it's pretty much just out-and-out out bribery. And it is prohibitively expensive to host the Games. Scott, Tokyo's original budget that was uh, supposed to be implemented for the Olympics $7.4 billion. By the way, that's a city, you know, not a country, not a state. That's Tokyo. The actual cost, a little better than twice that, $15.4 billion. But that doesn't even include like pregame construction, the roads, other major products, the in, uh, projects that they had to do to, to improve the infrastructure and give people access and things like that. They still don't have a host for the 2030 uh, Winter Games. It looks like teams, it looks like countries and cities are figuring it out. That a gigantic boondoggle. I know it put Brazil in the uh, in the hole big time to host the 2016 Rio Olympics. Is it time to just put the Olympics in one spot and just stop this madness? You know, they used to like to move it around because. We give everybody a chance to see the Olympics. They never seen the Olympics before. They, you know, there's no TV. But now, everybody's got every event. You basically have access to every event at the Olympics if you pay for the right program. And is there any reason that we move it around? Is does a swimming pool look different in Tokyo than it does in Rio, Scott? What what are we doing here? Well, if you want to talk about how much it costs to actually host it, then when you want to move all the Olympics to one location. Are you saying that every country would divide the cost evenly, or how would that work out? Well, you'd probably, no, I think you would have one place that could handle the cost. They'd build fantastic structures, and then they would reap the benefits every four years. Everybody would come to their town, they'd make a little money, and they wouldn't, they'd, they would be a sunk cost, but they wouldn't have to do it every four years. They would well, just have to do it once. That was kind of the main question I had, was because if you're going to host it, it's going to cost you a lot of money anyway. Moving it to one location, would that even secure you a profit at all? It should. It, it should with, with TV rights. I mean, it's all about the TV anyway. I was going to say, it might work if you redo the entire revenue sharing program, but that takes some effort, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it would, it would probably take an effort that what is beyond the capability or the desire of the IOC. But Why would the IOC want to change anything? They're making all the money. Exactly. But I think this is something that is going to have to eventually just be done because like the last 
round of bidding where they just uh, they just gave the Summer Olympics of 2032 to Melbourne, they really had one other serious competitor, and it was Azerbaijan. That was the only other uh, country that had a substantial bid that, that went to the final process. So that's what we've come to, Scott. That's And like I said, they literally have no one that has bid to host the 2030 Winter Games. So I, I just it, it's just something to look at. I love the Olympics every four years. I think it's a blast watching these sports. We talked a lot about it here earlier in the month. It's a lot of fun. You can, you know, again, you can bet on it. But I, I feel bad for these cities that are just brutalized. Just brutalized. So anyway, just something to talk about. This That was really just my rant. So I apologize. But I wanted to get that off my chest. You got anything to add? Um, I feel like that's a decent uh, comedy skit. But uh, that's some potential to it how you do a round of bidding for either the olympics or the world cup right except every team is trying to lose the bidding right and then the one team that like wins in the final round their grand prize is like four trillion four billion dollars in debt or something that's exactly right i think that's a pretty good skit idea i like it i think i think that i think that's very good did you would you like to see new york host the games i'm not paying for it so sure oh yeah, you'd probably be. They'd probably like have some kind of tourist tax or something that's utterly ridiculous. So I can only imagine how bad traffic would be. It would take two hours to move about a block and a half. Hey, I want to ask you, and then we'll, we'll move on. But I've always wanted to ask a New Yorker this. First of all, have you ever been to Times Square for the ball drop? For the ball drop, no. Okay, I should have known better. I'm sure you were watching the ball games. I got better use of my time. I want to know how everybody gets the hell out of there. Because everybody comes down at different times, different modes of transportation, whatever. But after midnight, everybody's leaving at the same time. How long does it take to get a I subway? Like to envision, yeah, I like to envision a purge scenario where it's like a survival of the fittest situation. <laughs> I can't even imagine how long it takes you to get a train going back. Gotta be I don't a, even want to imagine Got to be a minute. All right. Hey, we promised you a new segment. We're going to unveil it right now. We're not going to do it every show because, quite frankly, not everyone is deserving but we do have somebody deserving tonight. Scott, what are we calling this? Holding out for a hero? Yeah, it works for me. All right, and I'll try not to sing the song. Hey, we're holding out for a hero, everybody. Get ready. Beautiful. Beautiful. I like a little adagio there at the end. Scott, who is our hero today? So we're going to go back and talk about another game in baseball from yesterday between the Padres and the Rockies. If you had the Rockies on the money line, you were in good shape. You were up three runs going into the ninth. And then the Rockies' bullpen, not good, gave up. Uh, actually, they might have been up four runs. But the point is they blew a massive lead in the ninth inning. And then you had a walk-off home run by our hero of the day, which is who is C.J. Crone. So if you had the Rockies on the money line and you were trying to avoid an all-time catastrophe and you were so close to being on Call the Cops, CJ Crone saved you and even made you some money in the process. He's our hero today. Beautiful. Beautiful. I was going to play it again, but it's over. All good. All right. I was going to see CJ Crone. That's a very, very important award that he has been. He's the first holding out for a hero award winner. Congratulations, CJ Crone. All right, Scott. Well, we don't have any football tonight. I'm heartbroken. We don't. We've got no fun belt. 
No, no fun. Oh man, <laughs> make it hard to wait. No fun. No, the Mac. No fun stuff. belt. No Mac. Yeah. No match in the night. Oh, it's coming, buddy. It is coming. Is there anything better than Tuesday night college football? You think there's anything better than fading Bowling Green on a Tuesday uh, night? Oh, uh, you know who's going to be good this year is Toledo. They're going to be actually very good. Anyway, hey, I wanted to remind everybody or let everybody know that we are going to be doing our college football previews. We're going to be starting tomorrow. We're going to take a look at the Little Five and the Independents this week. And then we're going to be taking a look at the Power Five conferences next week. So you guys want to make sure that you stay tuned for that. We'll be going through them conference by conference and letting you know where your money should be and where your money should not be. Very good. All right. So now, now that I've teased it for something we're not going to do, let's talk about the baseball schedule. We have a full, full baseball schedule. Scott, we've even got extra baseball between the Yankees, and the Red Sox, because that's what America's clamoring for. Oh, please, please, could we see some more Yankees-Red Sox games? That'd be fantastic. So, Scott, kick us off. Who do you like tomorrow? Well, talking about the Yankees-Red Sox doubleheader, I'm a little bit concerned because they have about six hours in between uh, from the start of game one to the start of game two. With the Yankees-Red Sox game, do they sure they're going to finish the first seven-inning game in six hours? My God, it just... it. Those games just how how does that happen? How do they take forever? I it's a great question. The Yankees games tend to take a long time anyway. Yankees Red Sox games. I understand you want to speed the game up. You might want to never have these teams play against each other if you're trying to speed up the game because oh. these games take at least five hours. You look up you, in a nine inning game. It's three to one. You look up. It's been three hours and forty five minutes. You're like, how is that even possible? Yep, pretty much. Do you like anybody in those games? You've got you've got our boy Hauk going, and that's going to be an early game. So never mind. That's good. That's our one day game. That's I'd like to start with the one game that nobody's going to be able to see, Scott. And there's no odds on it, so perfect place to start. We do like Hauk though. We're kind of we're kind of fans, right? Uh, yeah. I I lost on his last start against Tampa. He pitched well, but Boston couldn't hit, so I'm not going to blame that on Hauk. But he's good. Looking at the late game in that one though, you have Gill going up against Yavaldi. Yavaldi always pitches well against the Yankees. It's just the team that he's always dominated. Meanwhile, Gill has made two starts. He's not allowed to run yet. So I'm looking at potentially the first, I don't know if you can get a first five in there for a seven inning game, but I'm looking at the under at six and a half there. I know Boston's offense has been good lately, but they also faced off against Baltimore. So I don't know if that really counts. The Yankees offense still is dealing with a bunch of COVID and the team really has not looked that sharp offensively. Gary Sanchez is supposed to come back. Do I think he's going to look great in his first game off COVID? No. So I like the under. I think you'll see a low-scoring game. In fairness, you hated him before he had COVID. I didn't say that I thought he'd be good without COVID. I'm just saying I don't expect him to look sharp in his first game coming off of COVID as well. Tell me the story of this Gill kid. What is this? Benji Gill? Turner Gill? Who is it? Uh, very close. It's actually Louis, Luis Gill. Luis Gill. Ooh, very yeah, nice. he's been very good. This young prospect who we called up, and he's been solid. Now his pitch counts tend to get up there a little bit, so he's probably going to go five, uh, maybe six of lucky. But at the end of the day, Yavaldi's been good against the Yankees. Gill's been good, and the Yankees offense we know has been overrated all year long. I'm looking at the under. Okay, that's solid. That's, that's solid. Um, How about... Man, there's, there's a lot of entertaining games. 
Hey, how about those Kansas City Royals, Scott? With the, they won a game. They're on fire. They did. They beat the Houston Astros. Big dog there, by the way. Nicely done, my Kansas City Royals. And that was... We talked about this before the show. That was a fun game to watch. I didn't. I had no. I had no betting interest. I just watched it as a fan, and it was fun. It was. They traded the lead. They traded home runs. It went back and forth. Royals had a two-run lead in the ninth. They had to give up a home run, of course, to make it a one-run game. But at the end of the day, it was a fun game. Seven-six Royals victory. Can they get two in a row behind Daniel Lynch here? I'm not picking them. Uh, I think Valdez is the much better pitcher. I think that Houston's a much better team. Lynch, I know, has been better after the abysmal start he had to his career in mm-hmm. the pros. Yep. Last start against the Yankees, I wouldn't say he was awful, but he definitely struggled. I think the more film you get on the guy, the more he's going to struggle or go back to being underwhelming. I like Houston. I think they're going to score a decent amount of runs in this game. If you want to take a flyer with Kansas City, I don't hate it because Valdez has not been as sharp as he has been in years past. Still been pretty good overall, though. But I like Valdez in general. I'll take Houston. With the run line there, you're not going to lay the value, right? Yeah, I'm going to take the run line because I think you'd agree with me that Lynch, despite being decent lately, are you a little bit concerned that his last start didn't exactly go that well? Yeah, throwing 100 pitches to to not even get out of the fifth is is definitely concerning. I don't like the fact that he's walking too many guys, Scott. He's, he's yeah. walked eight guys over his last 15 and two-thirds innings. Uh, that's not good when you're when you're yeah. when your walk rates up there over four per nine. That's and we mentioned that with Garrett pitching for Miami yesterday and how mm-hmm. we thought he'd walk a bunch of guys. I believe he walked three in the first inning. We and would... Atlanta ended up with twelve. So twelve runs total. So yep. might get ugly a bit for Kansas City, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh what else you got your eye on? Uh, looking at the rest of the card, I uh, got to keep in mind the Reds, minus 145. I know that Kyle Hendricks has been the Cubs' only good pitcher all season long. I mentioned it before. I'll say it again. The Cubs have played 15 games in August. They're 1-14. in 14. How are the Reds minus 145? Are the odds makers drunk, Scott? They could be. We're going to find that, We're gonna find that out uh, tomorrow for the show, but... Based on value alone, don't the Cubs, especially against the Reds, the Reds should have to be blindly minus 170, don't you think? That seems right. I know they're giving a lot of respect to Kyle Hendricks, and he's been, like you said, he's he's been the guy with one shoe in the land of the barefoot, Scott. He's been good for the Cubs, but I don't know. Would you call him having a good season? Would you call that a great a great he's, season that Hendricks is having? I mean, he's got a fourth of the team's wins. That is, <laughs> he's thirteen and five. That is that is so sad. He's got he's got a he's got a four fifth four fifteen ERA one three four WHIP, and he is by far the team's best pitcher. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we know the Cubs bullpen stinks. They're throwing out a triple A team out there. I, I got to look at the Reds minus one forty five because the Reds are still playing for something. Yeah, yeah, you know, in the in the Reds offense, you know, they can bop now. You know, you, it's always it's always touch and go with that bullpen for the Reds. You've always got to hang on by the skin of your teeth, and you may end up on call the cops. Touch and go with the Cubs bullpen too. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So, I'm 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 a fan of that one. Well, let's you know, let's talk about it. But first, I want to remind everybody we're coming down the home stretch here. We're going to be uh, coming up with our bet the farm play here in just a minute. Of course, this is Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour. We'll give you the winners. Scott, are we going to steal some money again? Are we just going to fade, fade the Orioles? Is there any way not to? 
Of course we're going to do it. I, I don't know how we're not supposed to do it. I mean, Rasmussen was great in his last outing. Means struggled, from what I remember, against Detroit. Now, Means as a whole we know is good. Right. But he also has had injury issues all season long. You want to talk about the length? You can kind of assume he's going to end up going maybe five or six. He was good against Tampa in his last start against them. But guess what? The Orioles still lost that game by four runs. Orioles bullpen's terrible. Like it is, If he doesn't go distance, does not matter how well he pitches? No, and here's the thing. Since Means came back from his injury, it looks like he should be pitching for the Cubs. Five, six, seven, ERA. Yeah, it hasn't been good. Yeah, not, not, not good at all. He's given up 32 hits in just 27 innings. So he has been a below-average pitcher since he came back from injury there about a month ago on the 20th of July. He's made five starts, and they've lost three of those five. So... It's it's not the John Means that we were catching value on early in the season when they would when they would be drunk on the other side and giving us too much play with the Orioles and disrespecting Means. We did do okay there, but you got to be flexible, Scott. You've got to be able to adjust. And if ever there was a time to fade this Baltimore Oriole team, it's got to be now. I don't I don't know I don't know how you don't do it. Yes, one of these days they're going to win. They're they're going to beat the run line. They're not going to lose. It's absolutely going to happen. I promise you. But until that time. Fade City. You have the guts to take an under seven between Burns and Wainwright. I had a cap at seven and a half. I liked that play a lot at seven and a half. I don't know. I've got to, I've got to look at it again. I think I st- I still like it at seven. I just don't like it quite as much. I mean, you can get an alternative run line and get seven and a half juiced because right now it's juiced to the over at seven. So if you want to get seven and a half, you could probably get minus one twenty, minus one twenty five. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 okay with I'm okay with seven and a half there. I don't. You know, you, you look at the recent numbers for St. Louis, and they've put up some runs lately, but if you look at who they've played, as six games against the Royals, three games against the Pirates. So facing Corbin Burns and the Brewers are going to be a little bit different. And the thing about it is the Brewers, uh, with Corbin Burns on the mound, have held the opposition to 2.7 runs per game in the 20 starts. So it's hard to get there. Burns faced the Cardinals earlier in the season, gave up two runs. And that was uh, all they needed as the Brewers scored nada. And that one obviously went under. Wainwright's only pitching outing against the Brewers. That one went under. All right, Scott, is there anything else you like for today? Well, how about the Mets and the Giants? That was a big game last night as the Giants ended up winning that one 7-5. to five. That was my play of the day, by the way. Giants team total over. Stroman goes against uh, Logan Webb. Any value on the Mets here, Scott, behind Stroman uh, as, the, as the Giants are 150, 155? Can you can you give me some can you give me some plus 140 money there on the on the Mets? You like that or the Mets just playing too bad a ball right now? You make an argument. I personally don't want to back the Mets at all because this team's falling apart, but I can understand if you want to back Stroman maybe first 5, but do you really trust the Mets over a full 9 games against the best team in the league? You mean nine innings? Yeah, nine. Oh, sorry, I don't. I don't even know exactly what I said. But yeah, nine, nine games. Innings. I don't trust them for nine oh, games. Nine innings. Nine innings. Nine minutes. Nine pitches. I haven't no. trusted them over the last nine games anyway. But over the last nine nine innings against the best team in the league, I'll pass. Yeah, I just it's a, and it's a shame. It's a shame to waste Stroman because he's been he's been good. Two seven nine ERA on the year, and he's been he's been solid lately. But you know. They're not winning games for him, Scott. He's got a sub-3 ERA over his last six starts. Mets have won two of them. So 
I'm thinking Marcus Stroman may be a little bit of fool's gold out there today. That's that's what I'm thinking, my friend. All right, give me give me one more before we get to our uh, our farm play. Well, I'm tempted by the actual game involving the Braves and the Marlins. I know you got you know on the mound against Alcantara. Alcantara has been good this season. You know has been absent because he's been injured. But the Braves are about minus 125 here. Braves, of course, in first place now. I'm sure you're thrilled about that. I am. Marlins are struggling. They can't hit. I know that you can look at the pitching matchup alone and be tempted by Miami. Don't I have to like Atlanta at such a cheap price against a bottom feeder team with nothing to play for? I think you do. Although this Miami team, man, they've they've been playing better ball lately. They've been uh, they've been actually scoring runs. That's kind of the unusual thing with the Marlins right now. They've scored. Now they've averaged about five runs, Scott, over the last couple of weeks. So that's that's something. But you know it hasn't pitched since May the 16th. And pitching very well. Had a 302 ERA. Got shelled his last time out. Maybe because he had an injury. Um, I'm gonna steer clear of that one, my friend. Works for me. I'm I will, just asking. I will wish you nothing but the best, however. I think Thank it's pretty you. I think it's pretty impressive, Scott, that you and I gave out a couple of futures. Well before the All Star break, we liked we liked the Braves. I actually took we we had one that we liked one that, and one that didn't work out because I liked the Braves. I also took the Marlins at forty to one. That didn't work out so well. The Braves money that's been going all right. And then the American League East, you had a couple of nice calls. You had the Rays and you have the Red Sox, and one of those looks really good. Yep. So there you go. So if you guys listen to us, we promise to give you winners. And you know, knock 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 on wood, ain't over yet, but. You know, we're in first place right now. It's where you want to be. Definitely true. All right, let's do it, Scott. We're going to give the pick where you and I get together. We put our heads together. We come up with our very best play. Everybody asks us every day, what play? What What is the one play you guys are on? If you had to bet everything, if you had to put it all in the middle, this is the play. Hey, strap on those overalls. Put on your straw hat. Climb on that John Deere and fire that sucker up because it's time for Bet the Farm. All right, very good. Our farm trout play for this evening. It's going to be, you know them, you love them. It's those lovable Tigres up there in Motor City. The Detroit Tigers, team total over four and a half. Scott, who's on the mound for the Tigers that we don't trust? Well, on the Tigers, pretty much every pitcher they have we don't trust. That's right. Casey Mize. It was a trick trick question. Casey Mize has done well for us lately. Looks like the league maybe figured him out just a little bit, so we want no part of him. We want no part of this Tigers bullpen, but we will take him against Dylan Bundy and the Angels to do their thing because the Tigers, they've been scoring some runs, Scott. They've scored at least five runs in five of their last seven. Like I mentioned, Dylan Bundy, remember when he used to be something? Yeah, me neither. He's pitching for the Angels, and it's a night game. Why is that important? Because Dylan Bundy does not do well at night. 43 innings pitched. 7.48 7.48 ERA, ERA, 7.48 ERA. He's not good on the road. 42 innings pitch, 5.57 ERA. And the Angels bullpen, even though they've been better lately, that is a unit that's doing it with mirrors because they suck. 4.63 ERA, 10th highest in the majors. We're going to see the Tigers. We don't care about Casey Mize. We don't care about another terrible bullpen, which is what the uh, Tigers have because it features who, Scott? Uh, Very appropriate name for this play. I'm I'm drawing a blank. Buck Farmer! 
It's oh, Bucks course. Farmer. Jesus. So our bet the farm. Our bet the farm play is going to be the Detroit Tigers team total over four and a half. Get out there and make it your play. For myself, for Scott Rice Show, we appreciate you guys listening today. That's going to be a wrap on the Tuesday show. Good luck on all of your plays for today. Hope every one of those tickets in your pocket turns into cash money when you head back to the window. You guys have a great day. We'll see you next time on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.